0: What you do in your free time from 5 p.m. on a Friday evening until 8 a.m. on Monday morning is one of the true predictors of someone's success. This is Mike Brown, the host of the 3P3 podcast. And if you want to start becoming more intentional about your free time in order to discover your true purpose and your potential, then you should be listening to the Free Time podcast with my good friend,
1: Carl Sona. Deep down in your gut, you know there's more to life than waking up for school or work going through the motions just to get by and living for the weekend but you're still scared and uncertain about what your true purpose in life is welcome to the free time podcast Your very own community and virtual support group created to help you leverage your free time as a valuable asset. So you can start to improve your mindset, learn self-empowerment skills, and ultimately find true fulfillment to move you towards the incredible life that was specifically created for you to live. This is more than a podcast dropping three episodes a week. This is a movement. Built around real people, sharing real stories, focused on helping you make the most of your life by becoming super intentional with your time. Brought to you by your host, Carl Sona.
2: Now, before we begin today's episode, I'd like to make a quick announcement. We're on a mission to build a movement here around the topics of self-empowerment, mental health, and personal fulfillment. These are all some really big topics that we all deal with as human beings, but also they're topics that will look a little different for each of us as individuals. And so I'd love to put a name with the face and learn more about who you are and where you are currently along your journey. So I'm super excited to announce that I'm offering free 15-minute Zoom phone calls with me in order for us to get better acquainted. If you're at all interested in this, Please hit the link to my calendar in the show notes below to sign up for a time, and I'll see you there. Now, without further ado, let's jump into our episode today. What's up, everybody? It's Carl Sona, the host of the Free Time Podcast, and I'm bringing y'all another special interview today. I'm super excited and honored to be joined by a good friend of mine that I met a little bit earlier this year, Mike Brown. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Glad to be here. Awesome, Mike. I appreciate you coming on, man. You know, as I started to do a little bit of homework and as I began to prepare myself for having you on um, today, I honestly was just so impressed by your sense of determination. You know, one of the things that I like to do when I have guests on the show is sort of just try to sum them up in one word, and I'll get into the reasons behind that a little bit later as we discuss. But, you know, if I had to put you in one word, I would say determination because as I read through your story and I hear... Some of the things that you faced, you know, while growing up, preparing for high school and then beyond the college and, and even, you know, past college into your career, the things that you've had to do to, you know, establish yourself in your career and actually build a thriving podcast that you've now started. You know, the one fundamental word I come back to is determination. And that's just such a, um, you know, unique quality that I think a lot of us have sort of gotten a little bit away from. So I'd love for you to, you know, open up today and just talk a little bit about how determination has played a pivotal role in your story and more importantly, how you've been able to sustain it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: Uh, I appreciate that. And you hit the, the nail right on the head in terms of um, the word that kind of describes uh, a lot of, I guess, what I've, I've gone through and kind of from day to day, what keeps me, keeps me going. So my hometown is Galveston, Texas, and I grew up there. Um, it's an island, so B-O-I, born on the island, uh, for the folks that, <laughs> that are familiar with that, that term. Uh, but grew up there and spent a lot of my time just really getting involved in the community, uh, even at an early, early age in middle school. With different community aspects with the Boys and Girls club uh, and things of that nature, uh, and a lot of it was kind of self self driven you know and I spoke to somebody earlier today talking about being able to seek out opportunity and really being able to just taste different things uh, in life and it's really important as you kind of build up to you know not only meeting other people and finding opportunities to really grow yourself as an individual but also And pointing you in the right direction in terms of what career path you may choose and things Mm -hmm. of that nature. So early on, you know, grew up there in in Galveston, uh, went to high school. It was the only uh, public high school in the area. Uh, So it was really close-knit. There were a lot of folks that knew each other, especially with church and so on and so forth. So I did have a lot of mentors, uh, officially and unofficially, that kind of helped me throughout my journey. You know, obviously putting me on the right path me opportunities to be able to do some traveling and things of that nature. Um, one of my really heavy periods uh, during high school to really seek out those opportunities was my junior year. So, you know, like most high school students, you know, before you graduate, you may not know what you want to do when you grow up and all that kind of stuff, uh, or even what major you want to get into if you're going to go directly into college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was me, uh, believe it or not, even though I was a you know, a pretty fair student, um, you know, honor roll student, perfect attendance, all that good stuff, Um, did athletics earlier on, but then kind of focused more on speech and debate, which that was a huge uh, boost for me, Um, only because I guess historically and early on, I was a really shy person. Uh, I was, you know, the definition of introvert. And so being an introvert and just kind of doing speech and debate really allowed me to come out of my shell and then start to just really exemplify what it means to be able to connect with others and really just kind of find your passion. And so with that, I was able to do, you know, different programs. So I did some stuff in the medical field. I knew that that wasn't for me. You know, I did some stuff on the engineering side. I was like, "Ah, you know, maybe that I think that'll work. And, and, you know, ultimately just being able to go to different uh, universities and experience what that life was like, Uh, really opened my eyes to different opportunities. Uh, But even before I graduated, you know, having kind of that entrepreneurial mindset was something not only that kind of ran in my family, because I have a long history, a long line of, you know, uncles and things of that nature that have owned businesses and barbershops and so on and so forth. And I think some of that comes from that history of my family. But I had always had this desire to be able to go out and do things on my own. So, you know, we're like most kids during the summertime, you know, they're out having fun so on and so forth. Not saying I didn't have fun during the summertime and um, played around, but you know, I, I saw that opportunity. I saw that as an opportunity for me to be able to, to make some money. Right. Yeah. So one of the things that I really got started on really early was I started my own kind of lawn care business. You know, I, I started out obviously cutting the grass, and not initially wanting to, for my parents. Um, and then, you know, I said, hey, you know, it's a couple of yards around here that need to be cut. And, you know, I'm, I'm showing people, you know, that I could take it off their hands and, and, you know, make a little money doing this. Yeah. And so not only, you know, just developing that, you know, I, I created flyers and I would pass those out to people, obviously being able to connect with people that I knew in the neighborhood and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, upgrading to new lawnmowers and all that stuff. So it was, it was cool going to Home Depot and, and looking at all that stuff um, to see how I could have leveraged that. But, you know, from a financial standpoint, understanding money, uh, I know that's a huge thing. And I know they're just now starting to really get to educate students more about uh, financial literacy. Yo. But being an entrepreneur that early on really put me in a position to learn about that and obviously apply that later on in life.
2: Mm. I love how you talk about tasting different things. I think that's a great analogy for anybody lost in the fog right now to sort of keep top of mind when it comes to, you know, potential path. I have a big problem with the school system. I feel like it is sort of, and I love school. You know, I've I've gone through it at the highest level besides, you know, a doctorate level, but it very much is in tune and geared for a linear path to success meaning that the individual, the student going through puts their head down and it's just a series of finite checkpoints. And they rarely come up to ask themselves if this is the right path. Can you speak a, a little bit about how people can have a little bit more top of mind awareness about you know, raising their own internal level of consciousness to ensure that whatever they're choosing to pursue is in some sort of alignment with them? Because it, it sounds like you have a, a knack being able to spot a potential problem and then be like, oh, that could be a solution. Let me go and trailblaze over here. I'm just curious what your feedback is there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, I think the, the important thing is, and especially when you're still in school, is to have some type of pulse, whether that's through other mentors, articles, things of that nature uh, on your industry or your, the industry that you're seeking. Um, because like you mentioned, with that very linear path, especially if you're gonna be in school, you know, beyond just undergraduate. So we're talking what, seven, eight, maybe even eight years in some cases in that same field. And as we know, the world around us is changing rapidly. Right. So being able to have a pulse on that industry and understand what what new technologies and innovations are coming out that may um I wouldn't say jeopardize your longevity within the industry but how you can really leverage that to learn new skills so that when you actually graduate, you're prepared and you actually have a a better opportunity within the marketplace. is really key. I think a lot of times, you know, people look at, like you mentioned before, very traditional paths for different professions. Um, But as we know, you know, there's a lot of different synergies among professions. Nowadays, people are creating their own uh, roles within companies and firms. Uh, So there's a huge opportunity out there to really just, think outside the box. I know it's cliche that it may sound, but um, about
2: opportunities within your industry. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, seek out mentors, I think. Is- Very well said there, man. I want to go back to something you said before we touch a little bit deeper on your entrepreneurial experiences. I think that's just so fascinating in and of itself. But you described yourself as like a true introvert, right? <laughs> and I find it interesting that like, you know, you went to the opposite end of the spectrum and found what you describe as passion doing speech and debate. Like, are you of the belief that maybe people should highlight some of their insecurities or some of the things that they'd be quick to label as, you know, a weakness and, and maybe go in on that thing? Because I think a lot of times people, you know, get a lot of advice from people saying, you know, double down on your strengths. And I'm just curious, like, you know, maybe, maybe there's some gold behind your weakness. Maybe that's a place that's worth spending some time in. I'm just kind of curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, no, uh, you almost took the words out of my mouth. One of my
0: mentors, um, he calls them undeveloped strengths oh, instead wow. of weaknesses. Okay. So that's a good way to think about it and a good perspective to have. You're right, you know, doubling down, tripling down on your strengths uh, definitely has some, some positive opportunities there. But I think understanding your weaknesses and compensating for them or finding new ways to use those or have a support mechanism will allow you to really excel, I think. Um, and for me, it was just a matter of, you know, I knew mentally that that was something that I, I needed to work on. And so I just took a deep dive into something that, you know, I had no idea that I would ever be doing and yeah. it turned out to be something I love doing. I had fun doing it. I met a lot of great people. And so, uh, like I mentioned before, just be willing to step out there sometimes when it may not seem like it may benefit you.
2: Yeah, I think that's excellent advice because it's something that's so easy to overlook or something that's so... E- Easy to sort of just put on the back burner and just you know discount yourself on. So I love that you bring that up, man. It's so interesting, you know. So here you are, eight nine years old. I don't know. I might be making up that age, but you see an opportunity. You see all of the unkept grass in the area, and I, I think it's so fascinating that like you notice that as a youngster, and you have such like a passion for you know um, developing the community. You know, in some of your volunteer work, which we'll touch on here shortly, but. Mike, so many people I think notice problems, but don't ever actually like take the opportunity to do something about it. To be an active agent about going and solving that thing. I just read a very interesting book. It's called um, *Influence* by Robert Cialdini, a psychology book. Ooh. He talks about like the law of consistency, and essentially, short and sweet, it's this idea that like there could be an individual in like a busy New York street, let's say downtown Manhattan, that's screaming, help, help, help. But because two or three people that an individual sees walks right past that individual that has a problem, you know, they continue walking past the problem thinking that maybe somebody else will come behind or whatever the case may be. How is it that like, you didn't, you know, subscribe to that norm or that like way of, thinking automatically that somebody else will come and handle this? Like, how did you empower yourself to go out and actually say, all right, I see the problem. I'm going to do something about it. Cause I think that's where a lot of people potentially miss some opportunities that are put before them.
0: Yeah. I think seeing others do it yeah. is a motivator for one. Okay. Um, you know, other leaders in the industry, as I mentioned before, and I know we haven't gotten to it yet and talking about just community involvement and, you know, you hear all the different statistics and you, even when you see it in person right. uh, things that make you're, it's really empowering to say that you know hey if nobody else is going to do anything about this then I'm really is going to take a step in the right direction and what you may get out of that which as you kind of alluded to is that a lot of people think that they're going to be alone if mm-hmm. they make that step and that may not necessarily be the case um, and so other people again will see you as a leader and may potentially come on board. And so then that's how you build community, and that's how you start to gain traction, and you scale. And that's, you know, that's how any great thing has been done, right? Right. Um, it, all, it always starts with one one person. So I think just having that mentality that, you know, you don't have to have this big organization or, you know, this big, uh, massive
2: engine. Just take that first step. Right. and And really, I think, too, like, always kind of coming back to center and and understanding that you can be the leader that you wish you had, you know, if you feel like you're in a situation where there isn't the exemplar be that don't wait for the permission. And that's why I'm enamored by your story of childhood. I mean, truthfully. So talk to me a little bit about how that initial lawn care business sets you up or gives you some innate intangibles moving towards high school and into college I'm I'm imagining that, you know, you come up against some things that you have to learn on the fly that maybe give you a bit of a foundation for where you ultimately end up in college. So kind of walk us through that if you don't mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So yeah, with the lawn care business, it it gave me a a little extra cash in my pocket, things in nature, some nice things that I wanted and so on and so forth. Um, You know, I didn't come from, you know, a well-off family or whatever I was, you know, more or less middle, lower, middle class.
2: Were you aware yeah. of that?
0: You know what? To be honest, I did not. Um, Many of us aren't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> yeah, because like most households, um,
0: you know, my family really didn't talk too much about money. Interesting. That nature, And it, it, they never really made it seem like uh, it was a challenge or it was a struggle. So well, I never really saw it that way even yeah. though there may have be been some things going on in the background, but yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so kind of taking that leap into to college, um, you know, I was approached by another one of my mentors uh, because me, I was always trying to obviously put a little extra money in my pocket and things of that nature, gotcha. to buy some nice things. Uh, told me about someone that was doing a vending business in the area, okay. uh, the gumball machines. Right. And so they told me, yeah, this person was making six figures, blah, blah, blah. And they got all these machines. I was like, oh, man, I think I can, you know, at least make a little percentage uh, of that and just have you know, a couple of machines on my own. And so, you know, in addition to obviously, you know, going through through college, um, I started to build up kind of, I don't say this gumball empire, candy empire, <laughs> but, um, you know, I was managing... Um, you know, these candy machines in different locations in AM or at AM and in, in College Station and yeah. back in Galveston. Okay. Uh, so all said and done before I graduated and before I sold the whole route, uh, I think I had about maybe 30, almost 40 machines um, wow. in locations. That was a huge learning experience because that's when I started to get serious and see myself as a brand. And so I started to learn about that, you know. Um, some of the simple things like, you know, getting a DBA, getting business cards, getting, you know, more flyers, getting, uh, learning about customer service. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a huge one. Although, you know, I had worked in a restaurant a little bit in high school and a little bit, uh, after I got out of college too, but, but learning about that, but the real nugget for me was being able to get away from the fear of failure. Right. So, you know, in business, especially if you're in sales, even more so when you're trying to put a machine in someone's establishment and expect nothing in return on their, on their side right. uh, is, is, a, is a challenge. You're going to get a lot of no's. So you have, it, to yes. be, yeah. <laughs> you have to be willing to, to get enough no's to get that one yes. And so just building up that internal resiliency through that process, obviously through you know, my normal schoolwork and studying and so on and so forth, Uh, was a huge takeaway for me um, Mm -hmm. in college. And aside from, you know, taking a a deep dive into that, because it really didn't take up a lot of time before I graduated, uh, there was a semester where my my grades weren't as well. And so I just had to do some realignment. Uh, But that did give me an opportunity to, again, get connected with other organizations that would help me uh, once I graduated professionally. Yeah. Uh, I think we talked about National Society of Black Engineers as being one of uh, the top organizations that really helped me excel. Right. Community standpoint um, um, and things of that nature. And then just learning about professional development and some of the skills that are going to be needed to help you excel in the corporate uh, workplace.
2: It sounds like a huge takeaway for you was that lesson of you know, learning to sort of like callous yourself from hearing no. A lot of young people, people that tune into this show, you know, are in that millennial demographic where, depending on how they grew up, that wasn't a word that they had to deal with in stomach very often. <laughs> and so fast forward, you know, being in the workplace and having to deal with that now, there's there's a big disconnect, you know, to to where a lot of older folks are seeing them as entitled or, overprivileged, whatever the case may be. How can an individual that finds himself in that situation, right, where they didn't have the school of hard knocks, they didn't have the entrepreneurial itch that the way that you had or what you had to adopt, how can they start to have a better relationship with no? Because I'm sure you would agree, no is just a quick door to a yes. You know, (laughs) so it's almost as if you'd want to embrace more no's to get to that yes. You know, what are your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, I mean... I think being able to, you know, push through adversities is really key. And when you come against those those no's, whether it's in sales or, you know, maybe you've got a, a proposal, you know, for, for clients that you may potentially work with or yeah. uh, you've got proposals that you're doing, uh, it's the same situation. You also want to use those no's as learning opportunities, right? Yes. I think sometimes people push those no's aside and then they move forward, you know, not even batting an eyelash to really take time to reflect on, you know, okay, what went well, what didn't go so well, and how you can improve next time. Uh, right. Because otherwise, then you start to become almost delusional because then you're just
2: repeating the same thing over and over again and not improving right. on that process, so. Yeah, that's a good point, and it, you know, I feel like we always tend to kind of learn from our failures too, so being a little bit more conscious about that probably has some, some gold for all of us, truthfully. Yeah. Awesome, man. <laughs> And so now you're in college, you're getting ready for graduation. You talk a lot about mentorship. Does everybody need a mentor? And if everybody does need a mentor, in your opinion, what's criteria for good mentorship?
0: I think it's absolutely vital. With all the technology and innovation and access that we all have today, any and everything that you could ever want and learn is either online or in a book. Mm -hmm. However, it takes time to be able to absorb all that and also get the experience applying it and enough continuity and uh, having the confidence to do that, um, it takes time, right? So being able to have mentors really helps you scale those efforts, learn from their failures so that you don't do the same things that they did that would maybe cause you to backtrack your success or your progress for a certain initiative or certain goals and ambitions that you may have. And those mentors, don't always necessarily have to be in your field or your industry and they don't necessarily even have to be in your same city. It can, it could be an aspiring mentor or someone that you look up to, um, you know, like Grant Cardone or, you know, Gary Vee or someone of that nature uh, that you may not necessarily have direct access to, but through some of their, uh, delivery and content and, and, and educational content, uh, you're able to, to gain some nuggets I think because okay. they're really going to be able to help steer you down the right path and gain that traction. So. It's like that saying, standing
2: on the shoulder of giants is is so true. Absolutely. Now, to kind of flip, you know, your answer on its head in this digital era, (laughs) yeah, you're right. There's there's never been, you know, easier access to some of these thought leaders, but there's so many of them, right? And one of the things I'm hearing from my audience is I'm literally overwhelmed by like all the choice that I have. (laughs) How do I begin to like sift through who's legit? who's right for me, who resonates for me, whatever the case may be. So <laughs> what, what do you say to that individual that like, you know, understands, all right, mentorship is key. You know, I'm kind of picking up what this person is saying, but there's just so many different schools of thought. Like, where where do I go first? Like, what was that process like for you? I'm sure maybe you even have some personal stories on that front.
0: Yeah, I know for sure. Um, you know, I've always had, you know, one or two good mentors I was able to physically meet uh, I think there's some some power in that um, whether it's you know sitting down for coffee or dinner or lunch or not uh, but even those ones that I initially don't have access to I think it all points back to what you mentioned before about consistency yeah uh, and being able to focus on that individual that's gonna be able to provide you with the right content and it doesn't necessarily always have to be motivation right because mm-hmm. as we know motivation comes and goes so being able to have someone to, to give you some real uh, meat and application, really, of how you can apply some of those principles uh, is really key. You know, because I can listen to some Tony Robbins all day long, but he's not the one I really go to necessarily if, I, if I'm really trying to, to, to solve a problem or if I'm really, you know, banging my head against the wall on, this, on a certain issue.
2: Right, right, right. So this is the free time podcast, right? I call it the free time podcast very intentionally because I believe it's an asset that can really help us all move towards, you know, our true potential and ultimate fulfillment. And I like the idea of free time because, you know, it's time that we all have. And uh, it's, it's like the one commodity, if you will, that you have autonomy over it's it's not a capital resource that is you know in lack or a individual that you don't have access to it's something that you can control talk to me about how important free time has been in some of the ventures that you've done you know specifically as it relates to really honing in on a skill set or a craft that you've had to you know really spend some time developing Cause you know, you've done a lot and I I have to imagine that, you know, you, you gain these skills and you are where you are because of conscious decisions that you made. So I'm just, I'm curious to hear your thoughts there, bro. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I think a lot of people may look at that in the wrong light in terms of, um, you know, that free time. But I think that it's important that you, especially if you are trying to aspire to do uh, amazing things right like you know right. a lot of people say they want to live this 1% life you know or even a 10% life but you have to be able to and be willing to do actions of that 1% or that 10% and so that means making a sacrifice whether it be time resources um and going back to what we talked about before in many cases not asking permission to be able to do that not auditing your time mm-hmm. is is important so you know I truly believe that, and everybody has different stages in life, I I get it, I understand. But I truly believe what you do from 5 p.m. on Friday evening and all the way up until 8 a.m. on Monday morning is a true measure of how successful you're going to be. Say that one more time. That's (laughs) powerful. (laughs) So I believe that what you do in your your free time from 5 p.m on a Friday evening until 8 a.m. on Monday morning is one of the true predictors of someone's success. I love Um, that. And really being able to maximize that time, right? Right. I think a lot of people, you know, there's a misconception that doing all this stuff is going to take away from, you know, being with my family and so on and so forth. If you really, truly audit your time and look at how much time that you have available, Mm -hmm. you have you know, these pockets everywhere and things of that nature. And so it also comes down to being able to structure your day in a format that allows you to maximize, uh, especially at the time that you are most productive. Right. So for me, being able to push a lot of that towards the end of the day doing the things that matter um, that I want to take care of first, first. That's a great and point. That, that, that's, that's, key too. But yeah, I, w- I would say if there's anybody that's looking to take that next step, in their career, or learn a new skill, is you know audit your free time for, I would say, a week, maybe even two weeks. You would be astounded by how much free time that you have available that you could then channel into that passion or to that project that you're trying to do.
2: Yeah. I love that you talked about, you said something that's so important, I don't know if you were even aware, doing the things that matter first. That's wow. a doozy for a lot of folks, right? Because we have this sort of um, innate, I don't know, desire or like golden handcuff, if you will, to like feel like we're busy, but like we're busy on a bunch of like low level, low priority tasks. And then by the time all of the low level stuff is done, we're left with the high level things that maybe we should have started with. But you know what? Willpower is drained. (laughs) And then it becomes a vicious cycle. So I want to know, Mike Brown, how is it that you consciously choose to do the hard thing knowing that it pushes you towards your potential and you forego doing the easy thing? Like, like let's go in just a little bit deeper if, if you don't mind, bro, because I think that's such an important concept that if realized and then if acted upon can really change the game for a lot of people. Because uh, I'm, sure I'm sure you still feel this resistance too. You're a human being. Oh, every day. Every day. <laughs> every
1: day.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I'll give you an example. So one of the big things for me, um, not only in terms of fitness goals and things of that nature, but uh, also because just being healthy and being fit and working out and things of that nature, it gives me energy, right? So it gives me that extra boost that I need and stamina, right? So like you mentioned before, people getting tired early, but um, so one of my main things was, you know, how do I get this into my schedule? Um, especially when I was preparing to um, trained for half marathon, uh, about a year or two ago. Oh, wow. So trying to say, trying to, trying to really find a way that how I can get this in my schedule, how I can be consistent with it. And it really came down for me is to start the day with that. Right. So there's some additional things I do now in terms of just short meditation and so on and so forth, but, uh, really being able to, to carve out that time every single day, at least during the week. Uh, and I don't necessarily do it on weekends unless I want to do some long runs, but just getting that in first thing. So now it, it really becomes like muscle memory, right? Yeah. So even like if I'm on vacation sometimes, I have to almost stop myself and be like, wait a minute, or I may just bring my gym clothes anyway and just do it, right? Yeah. Um, so that I can continue that habit and you just keep building up that momentum. I think that's where a lot of people fall short is that, you know, not being able to place that priority on things like that. And having that consistency, so that's what's going to give you the momentum in the long run. And when you yeah. get to a point to where it's muscle memory and you have it as a habit, then you can move on to the next thing, right? And yeah. it's, it's not as much of a challenge anymore.
2: Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. And the key thing there is like realizing and setting expectations with yourself that it's going to be uncomfortable in the beginning, you know. But it requires a window of time to where you just have to be willing to endure that uncomfort for it to become automatic on the back end. You know, I think a lot of people feel the initial burn and like, oh, it's not for me. Like, (laughs) no, of course it's gonna burn. Like you haven't been doing it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I'm happy you brought that up, man. As I've gotten to know you a little bit, I've realized and I've begin to see that volunteering is a really big part of your life. It, It seems like it brings you a lot of energy to be out in the community. I know that you were recently Awarded, you know, the Volunteer of the Year with the US Supreme Building Council. Congratulations there again, brother. I love volunteering as well, too. I recently just um got inducted into the Catalyst Society here in Denver with Denver Mile High United Way. And one of the reasons that I love to volunteer is first and foremost, I believe success is service. Secondly, I find that anytime I'm going through something, I realize that I'm so inwardly focused that like I lose sight of potential solutions. And so volunteering or acts of service to others has always allowed me to just like leave my own small problems and, and just lend a helping hand that just somehow, somehow just opens up, you know, the ecosphere for just so much mm-hmm. goodness to flood in. Talk to me about what volunteering means to you because I, I think that there are some huge takeaways there that, you know, people that are just so trapped by their own issues... Could stand to gain some amazing advantages, not only with the time to give to others, but with how it could ultimately help them. So, volunteering for you, where are you at on that subject? Yeah, I mean, I would say starting
0: out first, unfortunately for a lot of professionals, they see volunteering as strictly a networking opportunity. Right. That's not the way that it should be. It is a piece of it, but that should not be the only driver. Mm -hmm. So, when you really come at it with the framework that, you know, it's an opportunity for me to really step outside of my typical world or my typical industry in some cases, and to give back to the community, it gives you a sense of being a part of something bigger than yourself. Yes. Um, especially when you do it with a group, uh, whether it's with your company or another organization. And, you know, it's just, aside from just feeling good, because that comes with it as well, uh, there's a sense of ownership with that too, right? And empowerment that, you know, it gives you more strength to go back to work and continue doing the work that you're doing. Right. Yeah. So, and for me too, like I love opportunities when I can volunteer and teach. That's I love like, that. right there. I feel like, um, because for me, I like teaching others just because I do get that, that feedback. Uh, and I'm able to see in, in many cases. Um, so I do tutoring uh, as well on the side for, high school and middle school of math and science. Awesome. And so seeing the growth of some of those students over time uh, is really incredible.
2: I don't know. It's, it's, it's a feeling that I can't describe sometimes uh, to be honest. I love that, man. I, th- I think that's really well said again, just being a servant. I don't know what it is, man. I mean, at the end of the day, I really do believe that we're all here to help each other out in this game of life, you know? And so the more we can have, open and authentic conversations and truly connect, the more we start to understand how much we have in common potentially and and where we can plug in. You know, that could be an opportunity for the individual that's like lost, feeling like they don't have anything to contribute to find, you know, an opportunity or an area that they can add to somebody else. So I think a lot of organizations and individuals need to kind of keep that more top of mind. I know we're running short on time here. I got a couple key more questions that I really want to go deep on you, man. You're doing such a good job for us tonight. I really appreciate your time. Yeah,
1: I definitely. want to speak
2: about organizations. I know that you currently work as an engineer for HKS, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Organizations I'm beginning to learn are by and large employing a lot of young people. You know, the type of people that listen to this to this show. I'm just curious at HKS are you noticing anything that they're doing proactively to develop their people? You know, cause I'm a big proponent and believer that second to the product and the service that the organization offers their best asset is their people. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of poor attention with young people in organizations. And so I'm just kind of curious to hear, you know, what your viewpoint is on that. Yeah. Um, so with the caveat that I've only been
0: there for about eight months, okay. Okay. but uh, one of the things I've seen, which has been you know, really eye-opening to me um, recently, um, is that you know, they've been heavily involved with developing one of the initiatives in terms of diversity, inclusion, okay. uh, and things of that nature, um, and equity uh, internally from a, from a human capital standpoint. And outside of you know, some of the normal stuff that HR does in terms of development um, internally to be able to you know, get professional certifications and things of that nature, they're really putting more of a focus on inclusivity and then also uh, equity in terms of pay, gender, and, and things of that nature, uh, and starting to talk about those issues uh, openly in certain groups. Um, and I think a lot of those conversations are what millennials and young professionals want to hear. Uh, because they they understand that companies value, um, you know, those those types of conversations. Uh, because let's face it, you know, we we, we all, in, in, at least in the, the sense of the firms or corporations we work for, we're all working for the same, you know, same goals and the same uh, aspirations in terms of uh, helping support the company to move towards, you know, whatever goals that they have for the year, right, or those targets for the year. And so understanding that, you know, that underlying aspect that you have um, in terms of that kind of relationship with HR outside of just an admin kind of role uh, is really, really important, I think, for millennials that are
2: wanting to come into companies that are kind of innovating in that area, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. You brought something up that's interesting. We're all wanting to work towards the company's goals. I would say yes and no. I would say yes, you know, everybody's hired, for a specific role, for a specific position to advance the overarching needle on what the company's looking to do. But we're hearing more and more that, you know, in that process, that the individual and some of their, you know, goals, ambitions are kind of being put to the wayside and it's compromising things like mental health and it's compromising things like, you know, their value within the organization. And and so I'm curious, not putting a, you know your organization on blast, but I I'm just curious you know what your take is on that, or if you know anybody like that in, in that situation that feels like they're just another cog in the wheel. And if that's the case, what can they do to empower themselves? Well, I
0: think one is they should find alignment with their personal goals and passions mm-hmm. and the company's uh, goals, right? You know, especially if you have a role or a position that gives you some leadership opportunity in the company where you're, you're guiding a team and, and things of that nature. Uh, you're really in a position to be able to just kind of focus on those things and really enhance the opportunity that you have within the company. But a lot of times I feel like people that feel like that, you know, where they are may not be a right fit for them. They just don't know it. So that's also something to consider. Um, you know, and this kind of goes to what we talked about before in terms of resiliency and, and, and consistency and things of that nature is, you know, people that often find themselves in burnout means that they may not be in alignment with their goals and passions, right, yeah. in whatever role that they're in. And so, you know, at that point, it's a matter of, okay, what do I do to either, you know, find alignment or start looking for another opportunity where I can use those talents and skills uh, and actually be excited to come to work every day, right? Oftentimes I, I feel a little,
2: I don't know, I, I feel a little weird because I actually get a chance to do some of that every single day. You know? Yeah, man. Well said. I think at the end of the day, you know, you've got to be willing to sit down with yourself and ask yourself those tough questions. And I know that's a very uncomfortable process for a lot of people because our minds don't want to have to do that due diligence, but you got to realize that you're an agent for you. You know, if you can't, you know, step up to the plate to save you who else is going to, you know, at some point in time. So Mike, you've provided so much value today, man. Um, before we transition to our random round, I want you to sort of just tell the audience how they can engage with you further or, or even reach out to you, you know, if they've got, uh, you know, any questions on some of the material that you've dropped here on us today.
0: Yeah, um, you know, people can obviously reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, Mike Brown, uh, Instagram, M. Charles Jr., uh, or through my uh, podcast, the 3P Theory podcast at 3Ptheory.com. Talk briefly about that podcast and what
2: your mission is there, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. So 3P Theory is a podcast that I developed to really kind of educate and take a deep, deeper dive in sustainability and energy efficiency for commercial buildings. Okay. Uh, it's an interview-based podcast, and so I'm interviewing uh, professionals in the industry, different leaders, and understanding, you know, what makes their projects successful, uh, innovative strategies that they've used, and really how they can help advance the sustainability agenda.
2: Fantastic! I think that's definitely where, you know, we are going as a universe. So it seems <laughs> like you're kind of catching the nice upswing there of a trend. So y'all check that out if you're interested. Mike, we're going into free time. Five, five quick random questions that you know that allow us the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. And uh, just sort of shake things up a little bit, man. So first things first, what is your favorite thing to do in your, in your free time? You know, that's a, more of like a leisure activity. Oh, man. I would say
0: either read or, or work out, to be honest. Awesome, man. Um, what are you reading right now? Never Eat Alone. Okay. It just really helps me free my mind. And any, yeah. any opportunity I can get to do that and just get out of the day-to-day grind for a little bit, uh, it's, it's really cool.
2: Awesome, man. Uh, what is one decision or choice that you made today consciously? It could be a big decision or a small decision, but you made it consciously that puts you towards your potential and your purpose.
0: Uh, I would say attending a networking event right before this. <laughs> nice. Awesome, man. Um, so it was a, uh, an earth X, uh half earth X event, uh networking event where they had a lot of folks come out uh, to really kick off things for Earth Day next year. A lot of folks, um, big event, really successful. So I hadn't planned on going. And so I took the initiative and I said, you know what, I'm actually going to step out there and go to this, even though I had other plans. So making that pivot, like you said before, sometimes you got to be flexible. So. I love it,
2: man. Way to show for yourself. I love this question. I ask this of every guest. So imagine that potential was like a physical destination on a map. You, you could go there. What would be more fun for you? Would it be the journey or the drive there, or would it just be arriving to potential, you know, that destination in and of itself?
0: Oh, the journey, always. Why is that? You know, that's the fun part. I mean, that's where all the action happens, right? So once you get there at the end, you, you, you're just there, right? So yeah. obviously there's some learning opportunities along the way. And the most important piece is the people that you meet along the way. Oh, yeah, good right? point. The journey. So, uh, and, and even the people that you can bring along with you. Right. That's, wow.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice caveat right there. I like that. I love that. I love that. What's like your favorite empowering quote that you'd love to leave the audience today. It could be something that you said or something that, you know, another said that just personally inspires you that you always keep top of mind. I always have the perspective of a uh, limitless potential, limitless potential. Love it. So you're definitely a, uh, glass half full kind of guy. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, man. And uh, I'm really big on visualization. Uh, You know, I think thoughts become things. This summer I had the opportunity to go to Machu Picchu. I'll never forget turning the corner and just like seeing that ancient city. And I'm like, wow, like somebody like turned the same corner before this was ever here hundreds of years ago and thought to make this, you know, a place. With that said, man, um, the audience as your witness, me as your witness, I'd love to know where you're gonna be in the next six to nine months. And you can feel free to answer that however is best on your heart or your mind. Yeah, um, I would definitely uh, love to see more growth within
0: my podcast uh, and reaching more individuals um, and really just getting an opportunity to reach a larger audience within the sustainability realm. and hopefully, on the more personal side, uh, getting into real estate. Um, oh, so, it. yeah, been looking into some multifamily stuff. And so, wanting to try and take a deep dive into that too.
2: Awesome, brother. Well, I have no doubt that you will definitely check all those boxes that you just lined up for yourself, probably even exceed them, knowing the kind of gentleman that you are. And I just thank you for being an example for yourself, first and foremost. But, you know, I think there's a beautiful thing that is to be set up for showing up for yourself is it creates a light and a, you know a pathway for others that are just shortly behind on their own individual trek and, and, and journey. So thank you for keeping it real. Thank you for keeping it honest, Mike. And I wish you the best, man. We'll be talking soon. Thank you. Awesome, brother.
1: Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. So there's no better time than the present to get into the arena of your life and to start moving towards your purpose and potential. Peace.
2: Hey, I want to personally thank you again for tuning in. At the end of the day, I really do believe that we're all in this game of life to help one another out. And that the best way we can do this is through sharing our stories more openly and honestly. And so, if you like the show, please take a quick minute to leave us a rating, drop us a review, and subscribe for more. Also, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better and hear your story. Please head over to carlsona.com slash chat. That's carl with a K, S-O-N-A dot slash chat to book a 15 minute free Zoom call with me and I can't wait to see you there.